Remember when I told you in March of 2020 when we were getting ready to start the radio show and then the world shut down? And it's like, you were all like, oh, no, no sports. I mean, how we're starting a radio show in the middle of a pandemic with no sports. And I kept telling you, man, in a way, this is actually beneficial because what did I say, Joe? You said this will be the hardest thing that you'll have to do in the format. So let me apologize to you. I was wrong. That was not the hardest thing you would have to do in your transition to radio. <laughs> I, I could mean, not predict. <laughs> but I, I, I would argue with you, having no sports was harder than doing a show on our own because we had sports to react to. Yeah. So And it was also three years into it. So yeah. I actually knew what I was doing. So, so may- I mean, you were still right. Don't, don't, don't sell yourself short. I felt like I felt like it was good to forge you in the fires of nothingness to learn what it takes to really make it work and just BS five days a week for three hours a day. On the flip side of that, see, for me, I viewed it as a fun challenge. What I did not realize that 2023 would actually be the hardest part of my career. There you go. There so, you go. So you had 2020. I had 2023. And here we are. Uh, here we go again. We know y'all be listening. The OG back and better than it's ever been. Blast from the past. You know that our pace is fast. And if you want to sub, we got something for you to smash. Five stars with them positive vibes. Don't miss a beat week to week. You just got to subscribe. Even if your team's got you hella mad. Don't worry, we write our prescriptions on a yellow pad. So settle in, y'all. This is going to be fun. Because when it comes to hot takes, two is better than one. From beer to the Canes to the ACC. Who knows more about this than us, the OG? Let's podcast alongside Joe Giglio. I'm Joe Ovius inside the Eford Studios, downtown Raleigh. Thanks to Empire Properties and thanks to Copiers Plus for sponsoring Ovius and Giglio. And before we get into part one of our OG 2023 year in review, I think that's kind of how we should start, honestly, is thanking a bunch of folks for helping us get this thing off the ground in what, seven months time? I've lost track of time. What is time, Joe? Hanging off the ground. I mean, it was seven days. Yeah, I guess so. I guess yeah. so. So, obviously, big thanks to Empire Properties. Yeah. Greg Hayden and the crew at Empire Properties do an amazing job. They've been incredibly helpful with us uh, getting this studio set up, literally set up, uh, from helping us with the sound paneling, getting a hardline internet connection so that this thing can be rock solid. Again, big thanks to Ethan Hyman for helping us with our lighting, uh, which, you know, he's left us on our own. And we have our struggles every now and then. He's the expert. We're not. But Ethan's the big reason why the setup is how it's set the up. The News and Observer. Ethan, yep. Yeah, they do. You know, And again, uh, helpful with the News and Observer uh, with a lot of uh, the pictures that we're able to use. And Ethan's helped us out with sending us video and things like that. And obviously, Copiers Plus, our, prevent, our presenting sponsor for Ovis and Gilio, not just through this year, but all through 2024. Drew and the crew, really, really happy to have them on board. They've been incredibly helpful as well. But I feel like, but that's one of those things too, as someone said to me, like, I didn't know anything about Copiers Plus before your show. Listen, I'm not going to sit here and tell you, I I know everything that they can do. All I know is if you check in with them for your business, Mm -hmm. they're going to be able to help you. And that's probably the number one thing. I know, I know, I feel like I'm skipping to the end of this very special episode where we're supposed to be learning things. Mm -hmm. Teaching lessons on the on this Christmas Eve, here. but we are we are expressing those learned lessons here. Yeah, I, I think that's the number one thing is like, well, what don't you know, and who can help you mm-hmm. do what you want to do, right? What do we know? We know sports. We know we know how to talk about sports, kind of, but all of the other things that go around it and go into it, you got to ask questions. You got to you got to be able to understand what your own limitations are, and I, I think we've been humbled by that this year, which is always a good thing. And then, you know, also you got to fight through a little bit of it too, right? And you you get the help fighting through with a lot of people that help support you. So I feel like this is a great opportunity to go through that list of people who have helped us out this year, both in terms of sponsorship dollars or just in general support. I was right? going to say, well, we probably start with Kelly Ovius, Jessica Giulio. <laughs> Jessica Giulio. <laughs> start I did, there. I had, I had wives. Probably, probably out, start yeah. there. Yeah, for putting up with our nonsense mm-hmm. and, and saying, uh, yeah, and look, uh, Kelly, your parents, my parents. Mm-hmm. Kelly, uh, Kelly gets her a lot of credit because she basically was like, "Look, 
there's an ebb and flow to this. Uh, I've gone to law school and various other things, and you had to carry the weight, do this thing, see if it works. If it doesn't, we can revisit, but you have to at least give it a year. And that's what we're in the process of doing. So, and with Jessica, having now known you for 20 some odd years and working with you, she's a saint. Mm. Jessica has a lot to put up with. She so does. Bless her. Bless her immensely. But um, yeah, I was, I was kind of going through the list of people that have helped out. Anna over at SoundOff for helping us out with the graphics and being incredibly just uh, proactive about stuff too. She's like, hey, you might want to do this. Oh, and hey, you want some stickers? And oh, hey, you want these, these cups? Like all that kind of stuff has been a lot of, a lot of fun to, to get through. And again, with a lot of the graphics help. Anna over at SoundOff has been incredibly helpful for that. Uh, Webb Wellman also helped us out a lot early on with some videos and graphics and things like that. Breaking Tea for putting our merch out there. Because trust me, I don't want to get into the t-shirt business. You, you, you talk tough. about the ex, you know, let the, you don't know what you don't know. I don't know squat about the merchandise business, man. Jamie over at Breaking Tea does a great job. and They've been incredibly helpful putting our stuff out there. And every time you buy a t-shirt, it helps us out because yeah. we do get a cut. Uh, with every sale of t-shirt and hoodie and everything else over at Breaking Tea. So check them out at breakingtea.com slash OG. Also, Jay, for helping get this freaking LLC off the ground too. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. So big help for him. You know, he was incredibly helpful as well. Dimitri and Lauren Brownlow for helping us out with the podcast, doing their own podcast. Dimitri has been doing a lot of behind the scenes stuff with our OG Media Survey uh, and some other initiatives that we've got coming up in 2024. And then, of course, you've got our sponsors. Hayes being the OG OG and Mosquito Authority and Pest Authority. Anthony over at Oakland Pizza Box. I don't think he hesitated when we got this thing going, right? No, I mean, the most rewarding thing for me has been the number of businesses that we've always enjoyed mm -hmm. and being able to share that with our audience who, you know, while we're thanking people, the, the group that followed us literally from day one. Yes. It, we can't do any of this without them because we never sold a single ad on this program based on numbers. No, not one. No. Even though we have great numbers, we have not sold a single ad based on that. It's all been based on the the way that our audience a followed us and B has been vocal on social media in, in supporting all of the businesses that we love. You know, that's the best part. Like I'm, I'm not like Anthony's not paying us to go eat there. Like we were already going there. We were already going there. And now people are like, wow, that pizza is amazing. You're mm -hmm. right. Uh, wings over Ryan over at wings over, like their wings are totally and completely legitimate. And people are like, well, maybe, and, and maybe it's in a location on Hillsborough street. We're like, oh, I don't know. Then you go over there and you're like, oh, whoa, these are totally and completely legit. So for me, butcher's market, you know, I mean, I could probably just go down the whole list, but those are the ones that are the most satisfying to me. And because you're like, oh, wait a second. These things are are really, really good. Mm -hmm. And these guys, the way that we talk about these things, like we're, this, we, I can't, I'm not smart enough to fake anything. Yeah. I'm not good enough to fake anything. Yeah. And also you have some of our sponsors like Breeze Through, Adam over at Breeze Through from the jump, reaching out to us. Yeah. Not us going, oh, hey, you know, whatever. Adam, listening for a long time, sees what we're trying to do. I want to be a part of that. Want to help you guys out. He has been rock steady with his contributions, not just financially with helping this podcast, yeah. but also like I'm not making this up. When we did the live show from the breeze through after the Carolina State game, my dude is running Ethernet cable yeah. out of the office yeah. through the car wash out to the parking lot so we can do this thing with a table and everything else, right? That it, like Adam has gone above and beyond over a breeze through to help us out. He's through the same way. You know, Bennett yep. listens to the show and says, ah, I know where that hotline is supposed to be. Well, yeah, real quick story on that one, because <laughs> I remember the, the first show that we did, we, the second show that we did, we talked to trip Tracy. Trip Tracy was technically the first guest on, uh, on, on this podcast. And I almost slipped, you know, it was like joining us on the, Oh wait, we don't have a hotline sponsor. <laughs> and Bennett immediately reached out like, huh, we can make that work. Oh, so we can make that work. Right. So yeah. Easter Automotive Group has been absolutely fantastic in help us, helping us out there. Uh, Whitaker and Hamer from the jump. And Whitaker and Hamer, uh, the crew over there, putting us in contact with other people too, like Hometown Realty, who mm -hmm. has been on and been helping us out uh, from there. Homefield, they reached out. Homefield Apparel, uh, again, another one of those situations where uh, the blip occurs. People are sending messages, X, Y, Z. And I got the crew over at Homefield say, hey, man, 
now that you guys are in podcast form, let's work something out. You know, you, you've been doing this for a long time. You get what we try to do. You buy the merch, your audience gets what we're trying to do. Let's make that work. Homefield jumped on. And, you know, guys like Adam Eshbon, uh, Wayne Holt over with the 919 Vice podcast, but also running graffiti. And they've been a good location for some of our whimsical things that we want to do, including some upcoming stuff in 2024 that I'm excited about. So there's just a lot of stuff that's been going on. Matt Davis over at State Farm. Again, that's another kind of like, an, not a, I want to say an odd fit, but clearly Matt wants to help us out. And the, you know, with State Farm and of course, Groove Wagon, Riley over at Groove, Groove Wagon for a little bit there too, you know, trying to get our fantasy football stuff off the ground. Did he help you out, by the way, with your fantasy draft? Riley is someone I hope to get back to us. He's had some family issues. Yeah, so that, yeah, that yeah. wasn't, you know, and then, you know, we have other, other groups, you know, Jim Roberts, um, speaking of guys who like mm-hmm. listen to the show, was like, hey, we'd like to help you out our first month. That was great. Yeah, over at uh, NEW and then in Wilmington, Oak City Sports Cards. I still owe them. Um, for for a couple of different things, but they were one of the few, one of the first ones who were like, who specifically said to us, like, yeah, we we advertised on the other thing because of you, mm-hmm. not because of the other thing. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm forever. I even I even said to Katie, I'm like, I might give you a discount for that, and she's like, <laughs> like don't do that. <laughs> it's your money now. I was like, good call, good call. <laughs> no, that's true. I just say thank you. Though. That's true. So I'm, I love I love seeing their stuff at uh, the Canes games now too, and Sleek Fleet too. Like they helped us out with the OG tailgate, which I hope we can do more mm-hmm. of once we get into 2024. And uh, Josh over at RTP Mortgage for helping out with the other podcasts that we do, like Law of the Wolf. Uh, and with uh, Picks and Pizza, which Anthony obviously helps out with. And UNC Football also jumped on board, too, to help us with ticket giveaways. Our right? greatest accomplishment, yes. Getting UNC Football <laughs> to sponsor us and give us tickets to give to listeners. I would probably need to point to the passer to intrepid, but, you know. <laughs> Shout out to Caroline <laughs> you know. for uh, for doing that. So there's a lot of people to thank. I didn't want to, like, make this into a classic you know, rap album, final track. Let's just name all the producers and uh, and writers who have helped with this. But it's important because if it's going to be a, you know, it's it's a it's a local homegrown thing. Yeah. Well, you need that local homegrown support, and everybody that we've named is here and helping. Yes, I got one more, Ken, because there's no raffle without the bourbon. No, without Ken. No, <laughs> and sometimes you need a little brown liquor to get you through. Good times and the bad times. Well, Ken, so. Ken is a good is a good jumping off point as well to thank the people who probably matter the most. Yes, financial help really matters, but the podcast does not exist if people do not follow over to yeah. listen to the podcast. And from the jump, we got YouTube subscribers off the bat. We brought a huge audience over to the podcast that easily could have dropped off after the curiosity went away. Like, sure. oh, what are these guys doing? Blah, 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 blah. And no, the audience is stuck with us and there's been growth month to month, which has been great to see. And finally, you know, Joe, I have to thank you Ooh. because look at sentimental on me now. Oh, I'll get sentimental. I might even, I might even cry on the Christmas. podcast. No, it's a Christmas miracle. No, no crying. On it's the a, podcast. it's a, it's a Christmas miracle, but no, seriously. And you know this, I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but the audience might not know this. I was going to go away, man. I was going to just. I was going to drop off the Oscar. grid for a bit. In fairness, you had more time. I did. Off. I did. Yes. I did. In fairness. But I was very much in a mode of, you know what, man? I did this for a long time. I need a break. Mm-hmm. And my initial plan was to just take the summer and figure out what I was going to do next. But you pushed me. You said, no, we got we to do this now. Let's get on it. It's all good. And we powered through. And yeah, what, seven days later? Got the yeah. podcast going? Yeah. Which yeah, um, no, no, a big part of that is all these other people. Greg, in particular, hate him being like, "Let's go." I got, yes. a, sp- I got a spot for it. I was going to say, yeah, yeah. I, I, can't, I can't. Let's go. I can't repeat what Greg told <laughs> no, us. Cannot. But, but. Uh, it's been a lot of fun to do. It's been challenging, but it's also been a lot of fun. You want to start this countdown? I'm ready. Let's start this countdown. We have, we got great production for this, or is this just you going? Number eight. I like that. I was going to put some production together, but you know what? That actually sounds better. You, you want to do that with every number? I'll, I'll try to come up with a good one for each one. <laughs> <laughs> number eight. These are stories that we spent the most time talking about. 
And we spent a hell of a lot of time talking about North Carolina and Duke basketball. This is where we tie back to 2022. And I have no problems admitting that maybe we got caught up a little too much in the moment of the Duke Carolina Coach K retirement tour end. The ending at Cameron Indoor Stadium and the ending in the Final Four. The thing that was going to end the rivalry. Turns out our proclamations, or my proclamations, about the rivalry being dead were a little bit premature. If anything, it just closed a chapter in the rivalry. And any time that Carolina fans want to get into a pissing match about Coach K and Roy Williams and Dean Smith, they can always have that trump card when it comes to Coach K. We sent you home packing. We sent you off on that golf cart. Your last loss at Cameron was to us, and your last loss of your entire career was to us, and we'll always hold that on you. However, the rivalry persists, Joe, and we saw the ramifications of that in how we talked about 2023. We talked about Hubert Davis in the follow-up year where they did not make the NCAA tournament, and they opted out of the NIT. How we spent a lot of time talking about, well, wait a minute. Maybe Coach K got, he got beat. But maybe he won the war in how they handled the John Shire transition as Shire goes undefeated at home and wins the ACC tournament. Yeah, so for Carolina, you beat Duke. Like you said, you walk it off in 22 at Cameron, which felt like you had you had Kay, you know, giving this speech with a like a, a, a almost like a gun to his head. Like, you know, ah, that's not acceptable. Unacceptable. Right? And then they make it through the tournament. They they meet again down in New Orleans where so many good things have happened to Carolina basketball down in New Orleans. They play a game. Caleb Love hits an amazing shot to close that game out, to close out Duke, to close out Mike Krzyzewski's career. They, next, you know, two days later, Carolina ends up playing another competitive game, but ends up losing to Kansas. The, the one team, you know, maybe there's a curse for Roy Williams maybe. because they can't beat Kansas. This one is for the national title. But everyone then, not named Brady Manick because he had exhausted his eligibility, had decided, okay, let's come back. Let's everybody come back and we'll make a run at this thing. And preseason number one, they begin the season and we get, we get Hubert Davis with one of the great lines in an opening, in an opening night win, which was yellow flags, not red flags, the yellow flags. So Hubert knew from the jump something was off to start last year. And ultimately, they become the first preseason number one to miss the NCAA tournament mm-hmm. in the uh, expanded era. So, you know, th- th- that's a that's a mark. That's a pox on UNC basketball. And it was the same cast back, save for Manic. And you you go through the season. We don't need to relitigate all the Caleb Love stuff, but it was obviously there was a struggle there. And they never really were able to replace Manic. They were never really able to get back in that groove. Mm-hmm. Because remember the way that they started the year, they had some struggles. They didn't quite know yeah. what they had. They had a Dawson Garcia, Brady Manic, you know, one game, this one. Oh, game, Hubert, that, Davis, and, Hubert Davis talked earlier about the yellow flags related to this team. Yeah. And there was some awkward moments with Hubert Davis and Armando Baycott and whether or not they were going to make the NCAA tournament. When they got beat by Duke, there was this unwavering belief that they still might actually make the NCAA tournament, that they could turn these things around. Of course, that did not happen. And then there was the complete freak out of them opting out of the NIT. So there was a low Which point. was, you know, give me a break over the NIT thing. In what sense? Well, they have every just as just as Drake May doesn't want to play yeah. in the bowl game. Yeah. Stop. Don't you know, and, and Jawan Howard fed into this. We're Michigan. I know. And we're we'll never turn down the opportunity to play. Yeah. Carolina season was over. Yes. That's fine. Yes. Don't make them go through this performative art of, of participating in the NIT. Mm-hmm. And and you know, fan bases like states and some others like tut tutting Carolina mm-hmm. for not, you know, wanting to compete. Stop. People wanted an NIT the same way. What they wanted was an NIT walk of shame. That's what people wanted to see. Let's let's be honest about what that angst over not going to the NIT was about. People wanted Carolina to have their nose rubbed in in it even more. And we could all point and laugh an early exit hosting a game at Carmichael or something like that. That's what people wanted to see. But and they lost twice to Duke. Yep. In you know. You look at it and you go, well, what was Duke all about last year? They started a little bit slow. They did. Right. And you're wondering, they they got their doors blown off over at PNC Arena. Mm-hmm. 
I remember sitting there, we watched that one with Luke and we're sitting there going, well, we know what Mike Krzyzewski would do. He'd take away their clothes and make sure they couldn't practice. You know, we would get a whole, you know, we would, we knew mm-hmm. what the reaction would be. Even in real time, I had asked Shire in the post game. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, how do you react to this one? What do you try to do? You know? And what we saw was Shire recompose and figure out the parts and win an ACC title last year for Duke. And you might say as a Duke or a Carolina fan, the ACC title is not the standard. It's all, it's often not even celebrated much to the lament of Mike Krzyzewski and Roy Williams. Mm-hmm. But the truth of the matter is last year, if John Shire winning the ACC in his first year was a big deal. It was. And I enjoyed the way that they embraced it. And I enjoyed, as you called it, the revenge tour. Once they got to Greensboro. Mm-hmm. Oh, Virginia. Oh, you, you got us on a bogus call. Huh? Miami. Hmm. You thought you got the best of us. Hmm. I don't think so. So I, I enjoyed the way that they kind of marched through that. And then, you know, they came up short in the NCAA tournament. And here we are back in the same cycle, right? Because now we've got the pressure on Duke. Yep. With much of the same parts back from last year and, the, you know, the preseason favorite and all that goes with that. But it's, you know, time keeps moving on. Time keeps moving on. This, this only proves my axiom, though, which is you don't get to write your own ending. Mm-hmm. Mike Krzyzewski... We talked to Mike Krzyzewski. I remember it was very awkward because he didn't want to do Radio Row. No. So we went and we talked to him. He said, meet me up in this hotel room. I mean, we were, we were waiting. We had our things set up. We were all ready to go. Mm-hmm. We had a great conversation. We it always was a do. great conversation. We always do. It was a great conversation. But he explained to us his military background. Mm-hmm. He explained to us almost like Apple. Like, this is how businesses do this. You don't just step aside mm-hmm. and all of a sudden one person replaces you without any of your input or any of your expertise. So Mike Krzyzewski absolutely sacrificed the battle. And it was never necessarily, you got to remember with Mike Krzyzewski, it's not necessarily about Carolina. To me, a lot of it was about how his mentor went out, Bobby Knight, and the way that the Indiana basketball program collapsed mm-hmm. afterwards. You got to remember with Mike Krzyzewski, it's not just about Carolina. It's not just about his mentor. It's about everything in college basketball because that's his goal is to be the greatest. And what more, what more, what better way could you cement your legacy as the greatest than to prove that the dynasty can go on and on and on. And because it looked like Duke might've gotten it right in their transition there was this existential crisis that took place in Chapel Hill that ties back to skipping out on the NIT and then the transfers that occurred. A lot of people leaving the program, guys that didn't get a lot of playing time uh, under Hubert Davis. And there were some serious questions as to how much longer Hubert Davis was going to get at North Carolina, but he remade the roster, which is wild. I I get that, but there was a lot of pressure. There's a different standard. There was a lot of pressure on Hubert Davis to get this thing turned around quick after the way last year went. And it started with a roster makeover. And there was some like, what are we doing here, UNC? Like, who are you bringing in? What's the idea? And it all came together when Elliot Cadeau reclassified. And you and I were out at a golf tournament. We were at the uh, at Raleigh Country Club mm-hmm. for, um, the Rex. Yeah, for the yeah. Rex Hospital Open. UNC Health Champion. Thank you. Yes. And Elliot Cadeau, the news came out that he was going to reclassify. And that's when the light bulb went on for, aha, I see what Hubert Davis is trying to do. This is about running the offense a little bit more like how it used to be at UNC. Getting R.J. Davis off the ball so he could be a playmaker. Allowing Armando Baycott to be fed, which is something that Caleb Love just did not do. Sometimes it would be a black hole. The ball would go there and it would never come out. And getting some complimentary guys to nail shots, hit shots. Harrison Ingram has been a huge addition. So, again, in the early going. And then you flip it back over to Duke, right? You like to call you like to call the Duke thing with John Shire year one the freebie. Mm-hmm. All right, first one was on you on on Coach K as you like to say. You, you began this, and uh, I'm trying. I'm going to try to get a better about this in 2024. Yeah, but the truth of the matter is, at the time when Duke lost, I sat in a hotel room and I recorded something, and I said, "This is the best thing that could happen to John Shire mm-hmm. because now he is free." Yes, so the normal Duke expectations are gone. You've been gutted. You've been raised to the ground. And now you get a chance to just go to work. And obviously, the, the worm turns a little bit. A little year. bit. And we talked to John Shire at ACC tip-off back in October. And you asked him, like, hey, 
now it's back to expectations and you're going to have a number one next to your name and you're seeing with the slow start at Duke, how people are saying, whoa, whoa, okay, what's going on here? But I thought John Shire handled it as a guy who's been through the cooker. Uh, he, you know, he's handled it pretty well. Well, one, if anybody knows about expectations, I do feel it's me. You know, I, I replaced the all-time leading scorer in Duke history in J.J. Reddick okay. when I came in. Mm-hmm. You, I don't need to tell you replacing, you know, Coach K at Duke. Yeah. Uh, but this is what you want when you're the coach or you're playing at Duke. You want the everybody's best shot. You want to, again, not that it means anything, whether it's ranked number one, two, three, ten, whatever it is preseason. But that's what we expect. That's how we want it. I don't run from it. Uh, but I do think it's important for our team to understand just because that's there, it doesn't entitle you to anything. It truly doesn't. I've been part of some teams that we've had that ranking. We've lived up to it. Other teams, we've assumed it's going to happen. And so my biggest thing for our team, where what's the reality of right now? Like, where's our team right now? Are we where we need to be? Obviously, the answer is no. So what are we doing in order to work and to get there? And that's where my focus has been. So we're getting the wrap-up signal, but we have we have a T-shirt for you, Let's too, from the podcast. You can work out in that. My, you, you can work my, out. Pl- my players probably want me to wear this, you know, just to remind, you know, in the course of a practice. Like, <laughs> well, coach, well, wait, what coach was- positive vibes only. My number one takeaway from John will forever be he has made no effort to be like Mike Krzyzewski. No. Do you know how hard that is? It's impressive. I mean, it's incredibly difficult to learn from someone mm-hmm. and not try to be like that person. It's it's almost impossible. And mentioned the mentioned the loss to state and how we thought Mike would react. It's not what John did. Mm-mm. And it, it's the work that he did last year was really good. Now here's the part you got to learn from the mentor. Every team runs their own race. Now he's got to solve this year. He's got to get Proctor healthy first of all. That's first and foremost. But Proctor was playing poorly to begin this season. Mm-hmm. And then you got to figure out with these freshmen, this group that you brought in, who can help us and how can they help us? That's that's going to be the big challenge for Duke here in 2024. And to put a bow on it on number 8, the Duke Carolina rivalry continues. It's not over. The chapter closed. We'll see how this new chapter continues and ultimately ends. We don't know how it's going to go for both Hubert Davis and John Shire. I don't. Yeah. And that's the thing. It doesn't end. No. Right. But it, you're right. The chapter ended and and here comes the, here comes the new one. Then you're still going to have this distrust, this dislike. And, and there was, there's always going to be a little bit of a healthy respect there. I mean, maybe, we, maybe we can get Nolan Smith back soon to spice this thing back maybe. up. Um, maybe, but you know, you look at it and you go, all right, uh, the wheels keep on turning. And I get it. it. The ACC may not exist. Spoiler, much longer. <laughs> but you would but hope this will. You would hope Duke and Carolina, as we know it and love it, continues to roll on. Do Siete. So at number seven, we have NIL transfer portal and the push and pull of what athletes and coaches and administrators understand about the portal. It's a business versus how fans view guys leaving and coming in. Remember when somebody leaves, it's like, how dare you? You're supposed to love this university as much as I love this university. Like you reminded me, man, Tommy White happened in 2022. And then that dude took LSU to the final championship. Yeah. Hit a big home run against Wake Forest to lead the Tigers to the championship. And they forgot about that. There were a lot of state fans who weren't happy with, with Tommy tanks. And I remember thinking, man, I wonder what Elliot Avent thinks because this was one of his players from down in Florida. He gets him. He, he has this huge season in 2022, kind of carries them and and becomes like a, as much as a college baseball player can become a national phenomenon, becomes one. Mm-hmm. And then LSU came along with an, a big offer, uh, you know, probably in the $300,000 range. But Avon understands this, right? He did. So I asked him, I go, well, first of all, did you watch LSU? And are you mad like everybody else? <laughs> and, you know, I don't know why I was surprised because I, I know Elliot fairly well, but this was his answer. So when he hit that home run to beat Wake, yeah. everybody in the bar restaurant looked at me to see what my reaction was going to be. Was I happy? Was I sad? Whatever. And I love Tommy White. I loved him when he played here, when he set the all-time Freshman record for home runs. He did that at NC State. 
His dad sent me a text message, and he said, Coach, the picture behind his dad's office is a picture of his son in NC State uniform. He said he'll always treasure his time in NC State. He made a personal decision for him, and you got to respect that in today's age when they can yeah. go wherever they can go. Uh, it's great for him. Obviously, it was great for LSU. I was, I hated it for Tom Walter and Wake Forest because he's a personal friend of mine, and obviously Wake's in our league, so I hated it for them. But you didn't want Wake but I, doing this thing. But I, I lo- well, Tom Walter's a friend of yeah? mine. I've been, to, I've been with Tom Walter for a long time. We've been in this business, but I was happy for Tommy Wake. The way Elliot Avent handles this, I wish more coaches would handle it like Elliot Avent because he's benefited and lost. Remember, there was the ECU transfer that came to over at NC State. Which we'll see and, this year. Yeah. And we'll see. And Cliff Godwin kind of lost his mind. He was tweeting through it. Like those types of things. And it's not, I'm not just, I'm not going to isolate from a baseball perspective. Let's never forget that Mac Brown was just kind of openly talking about, well, you know, there's tampering and, you know, Drake May. And like, as if they're not giving Drake May a bunch of money to play at UNC. Or Pat Narduzzi going on the radio and saying, I heard, like, Pat Narduzzi went into message board <laughs> mode. Like, what's your burner account on the pit message boards, man? Well, you know, I heard they were giving a guy $5 million. Like, what are we doing here? You just, you you bash the media for, rec, you know, doing this reckless speculation when you are engaging in it in yourself because you don't know how to handle the business aspect of it. And it continues to transform how we talk about college athletics. Basketball is probably the biggest one. I, I think the number one complaint I hear from regular fans mm-hmm. when they find out, oh, you you talk about sports for a living. Oh. What do you what do you think about the portal? It's killing college sports, isn't it? NIL, man, I wish. I wish we can go back. And it's like I, I we saw this in college basketball the previous year. Miami going to the final four with players, yes, that they had to pay to get. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, how the hell do you get basketball players at the University of Miami? Okay. You and I talked to Josh Pastner mm-hmm. before he got fired at Georgia Tech. Uh, this was back when we were doing the let's bring ACC coaches goodies. Yeah. We brought Mike Bray, some Jamison Black, which I wonder what he did with all the Jamison that people gave him on his way out of Notre Dame. We brought cigars for Steve Forbes. But I remember when we were, uh, when we brought Oakwood Pizza Box to Josh Pastner at the, at the, at the team hotel, he just kind of, it was almost like therapy session for, oh, for yeah. Pastner where he was talking about like, Guys come to me asking, you know, what can Georgia Tech offer me in terms of NIL? And he's like, nah, buddy, this is it. Like, you either want to come play for us or you don't. There's really nothing there. So it it changed the game completely. It either can help you. And in, like NC State, right? Is NC State not better in basketball because of the use of the transfer portal? Yeah. I think we saw this last year. Jarkel Joyner from Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a guy who Levi Watkins had an experience with at Ole Miss, but comes in and really unlocked. Here's a name for you. Jaquavion Smith, who we haven't talked about in a minute, right? right? So you had this guy, good player, and Joyner comes in, makes him a better player. DJ Burns was an accomplished player mm-hmm. at um, Winthrop and comes in and really was a revelation for NC State. So you see, there's good ways to it. But I, I, for whatever reason, and, and it's probably where college basketball ranks in the vein of our, our sports sporting culture, right? It, it took Sam Hartman showing up at Notre Dame in week zero mm-hmm. for people to look at this handsome man and be like, where did he come from? Oh, he was at Wake Forest for five freaking years. Devin Leary, Kentucky. Right. And then you're, you're, you're watching this in real time. And then you're like, Devin Leary, where did, where did he go? Oh, Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Oh, Brendan Armstrong from Virginia to NC State. See, you see all these different places, different faces in new places, and you're going, huh, well, that's weird. Um, Right up to the point in football season with MJ Morris this year, where he's wanting to protect his year of eligibility. He decides not to play uh, for the final three games of this season, making a decision based on what's best for him. And I, and I guess, you know, that's where I get when I, when I get those regular Fans, people mm-hmm. who don't, you know, freebase this stuff, who just kind of follow this stuff, and it becomes ah oh, the portal, ah and I hate it, and it's like, well, I mean, they're just trying to get a piece of the action here, yeah, man. Um, and there's solutions to this, by the way. There are solutions. There yes. are solutions. To actually, this. making them employees and paying them that would help is one of the bigger solutions. But I, I look at it and I go, why are we begrudging people the right to try to better their situation? Now, we can get into different arguments about. MJ Morris, we could get into different arguments about 
Sam Hartman mm-hmm. going to Notre Dame and now Riley Leonard going to Notre Dame. But I, I do think there is a reality to it that I think the the sooner you square it, the better off you're going to be and the better off, the more you're going to understand like Michael Penix this year, leading Washington, Washington in his yeah. second year in Indiana transfer, leading them. Jaden Daniels winning a, a Heisman trophy after transfer from Arizona state to LSU. So these aren't bad things. We got, we got to stop with this mindset. Of, you got to get it right too. That's ultimately what matters. Cause we saw the flip side of transfer portals, bringing guys in and it not being a good fit. Right. Sure. I mean, we've seen this in basketball. We've seen it. Initially we thought about that with Brennan Armstrong at NC state that, Hey, this is not exactly working out. And that's how you end up with NJ Morris. So it can get complicated. I just wish that the conversation around this, we could strip away the silliness of it. The idea that we're the lone school in this in this swamp of craziness that we're just trying to do. We're the ones that are trying to do it right. It's like, oh, so when people want to transfer to you, it's all good. But when they leave or somebody else like, oh, they're coming after Drake May. Okay, got it. But were you not also in the running for Tez Walker? And clearly you wanted Tez Walker and you wanted him on the field that you fought the NCAA to the point where we're still dealing with the ramifications of the Tez Walker eligibility fight. And on one hand, you wanted to put a the kibosh on the second transfer, which is how Tez Walker yeah. got in the situation. And you're openly talking about, well, we got to handle it. It's too crazy. This isn't that. However, the guy that we're bringing over is a special circumstance and we got to fight that tooth and nail, even though we argued on behalf of this rule that is present preventing this person from coming over. Or in the case of money, you'll find out real quick, which programs can do it and which programs can't and a prioritizing who do we feel is worth keeping and who do we feel is like, look, man, hopefully you find a better situation. Like we talked to Riley Leonard. You, you, you pointed this out to Riley Leonard at ACC kickoff. And after the year you had at Duke, you're telling me that an SEC school didn't come at you and say, hey, man, you want to you wanna come help us out? But he had a relationship with Mike Elko. Clearly, he liked his opportunity at Duke. And let's not act like Duke doesn't have money if they want to spend money on something because they've really embraced this NIL era. And his response was amazing. In an NIL world, what's 15 bucks going to get me for Armando Baker? That's 20, actually. Is that 20 bucks? Yeah. What's 20 bucks get me in the NIL world? A wave. <laughs> We'll take it. We had fun at the kickoff, didn't we? We did it. Speaking of years in review. We did have a lot of fun at kickoff. We didn't kill Jeff Halfley, thankfully. It was the gum finally kicked in. I think it was after (laughs) week four. Yeah, we where where they got hot and they're in a bowl game this year. We brought uh, we brought packs of what 1987 worthless 1987 tops cards. 87. We bought a from our friends at Oak City Sports. We had a, a 87 wax packs. The box, a box of wax pack. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. You can do yeah, this. Yeah, now, can this I open is, a pack? This is an yeah. original 87 pack, so that gum's been sitting in there How since much? 1987. I don't believe that. Well, let's see, let's see what it looks like. <laughs> Let me just try a piece of it. <laughs> oh, it my God, look at this. It you doesn't break it on you. <laughs> it's hard. Has anybody else tried one of these? I did. Just, yeah. None of the other coaches have? No, no. None of them have touched it. The flavor brings back so many memories. Yes. You know when you get that flavor, like I just had flashbacks to being a kid again? Yeah. I love that. I love that. I mean, I think it's awesome. So, I think the rest of it. Let's see. What do we got in here? <laughs> now, it melts in your mouth now, so there's nothing to chew on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I hope if anything happens to me tonight, at least you can tell the doctors. We know why. why. I probably should have had you sign the waiver. Yeah. We know There's why. no waiver, so then we're coming <laughs> But after. you're from New Jersey. Yeah. So. so the story of NIL and the portal, that also is one that's not going to end. There's going to be more iterations of this. And again, you and I both understand that there's a way to solve a lot of these problems, and it comes down to consideration. I was actually arguing with a colleague of ours yesterday as of this recording and it you know mad about like you know they gotta do something about nil in the bowl games like this i mean you just paid this guy to come play for your school and now they're opting out of the bowl games like how are you gonna how do you let that happen i'm like is it an actual contract no then buyer beware yeah. man buyer beware that, that's the part we need to get to the next iteration and, and i do believe that it that it needs to be the schools it will paying the players and, and when i say paying them i'm saying they need to share in the revenue that they're help generating for that school. Why we're ignoring the Supreme court and what they told college sports and, and their member institutions. I'm not quite sure. Cause all we have right now is a tax on the fans. That's what NIL is right mm-hmm. now to the point where you got Dave Doran after they beat Carolina being like, Hey, we need money. You want to celebrate? Give us money right now. 
You want KC to come back next here's, year? Here's a stick up. Let's like, do it. <laughs> I know you're excited, but pay up. So, you know, and I get it. I understand he better ask for it when when the getting's good. Let's talk about six, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that may be. Let's talk about six. There were a lot of things that we were going to talk about with Mike Elko. Remember, we were going to play video games with Mike Elko. We talked to Mike Elko earlier in the football season, and you asked him, hey, you're, Duke's running hot. Your name's going to be out there for these jobs. How do you handle this, Mike? Yeah, it's the same stock answer I've been using probably for the last seven years of my life is is in football coaching, you're one of two things. You're leaving because you're doing a good job or you're getting fired because you're doing a bad one. And I think I've been rumored to be leaving the job I'm in pretty much every day of my life for the last seven years. And so <laughs> for the right reason, though, whatever, some days <laughs> it's the wrong reason. Depends on which Saturday, depends on which Saturday you pick it up. I think right after the fourth and 16 call, I think everyone in the Duke fan base wanted me to leave. So um, no, I just, it comes with coaching, right. And, it, and it's just the reality of it. And I know it's, it's great for people to speculate and you guys have a blast doing all of that stuff, but that's really not for me. It's not anything that I'm about. It's not anything I pay any attention to. And we'll talk to you later in the season. Yeah, I appreciate you guys. I'm still waiting for our baseball stars match. Uh, I still have the TV ready to go. Look, I I, come out by you? That I, in the offseason, that is still on the docket. Okay. I talked to Art about that, and I am I am ready. I have the game, just so you know. I have the game. I got to practice. And I have the Nintendo system. We just have to figure out when we do it. So this sounds a lot like, this, this sounds a lot like late January content if you're not on the that's uh, that's a good timing. January, February during the dead period, that seems to fit really well. All right. Well, we got you on record. We're going to make this happen. Which also, you guys. Means, which also means you're going to be at Duke. So yeah. we will talk to you later. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you having me on. Well, it's December. I don't think we're going to be talking. I don't think we're going to be talking to Mike in January, are we? I mean, I could ask. You, you think I should go through the Texas A&M SID and see if we can uh, hook up with Mike Elko? I'm going to stop assuming things about my friend from New Jersey, <laughs> but you know, if he, if he would let us come down to college station, I, I could see that being in the budget somewhere. Sure. Potentially. Yeah, maybe not. There's, there is stream yard. Yeah. Actually, I don't know if I, I don't know if I want to go to college station, man. It might change you well, last. It might change from, the last you. people from North Carolina went there. were app state. They were fine. Uh, good point. Good no, point. I, I look at the situation with Mike Elko and you know, uh, a lot of people after this were like, Oh man, Cold takes exposed freezing cold takes. Cause I said, I don't, I don't think he would go to Texas A&M. And if Mark Stoops did the right thing and got out of Kentucky and took the money from Texas A&M, well, we, we would be having a completely different conversation. So if Texas A&M, my understanding, if Texas A&M didn't try to lowball the guy, yeah. you know, or like make it financially work for him in that particular situation, because I think Mark Stoops understands you go to Texas A&M because that's going to be your last stop. Yeah. And that was always the that was going to be that that was always our question about Mike Elko and Texas A&M. Right. It would it would have thought. Our thought process was not wrong in the sense that Mike Elko was going to have better opportunities than Texas A&M mm-hmm. because the last coach to leave Texas A&M for a better job without being fired was 1957 Bear yeah. Bryant. Yeah. Okay. So it's, and plus now you have Texas and Oklahoma who they had been separate from when they, when Texas A&M had been part of the SEC, the SEC and those two schools weren't here come your old friends. And by friends, I mean the people that you hate the most. Mm-hmm back into making your life miserable. So they had an opportunity. They had a window. They could not make the most of it. And Jimbo Fisher gets fired and everyone knows the amount. They still owe Jimbo Fisher. So yeah, you you get into this little bit of a contract squabble with Stoops, who I think would have taken the job, everything else being equal. And now all of a sudden they circle back to Mike Elko and you know, they gave him a better offer than they had initially in their their initial conversations with him. so And Mike Elko is a smart hire for Texas A&M. You mentioned Texas coming in. You know that Texas coming to the SEC completely changes the dynamics around your recruiting again. Yes. And you have to find a different identity. And the one thing that made Mike Elko such a revelation at Duke and what made him such a hot commodity is that he instilled an identity into Duke that was around toughness. We're going to go out there, we're going to physically beat you, which is not what you typically see out of a Duke football program okay no better example than the the clemson game in the opener yep and i know people are like oh clemson had all these yards guys clemson was lucky to score seven points in the football game Mm -hmm. 
Duke absolutely just smashed them in the mouth in, on the first series and for the rest of the game. And that is the idea for Texas A&M going forward. Like we can bring the talent in, but we need the identity. Something that Jimbo Fisher was at at the tail end of the Florida State time and what we saw throughout Texas A&M, they never really had. So it's a smart hire by Texas A&M. As Bud Elliott and Chip Patterson over at the Cover 3 podcast said, it was a humbled hire for Texas yeah. A&M, but ultimately the right hire for Texas A&M. But it does put Duke in a weird spot because Duke had its moment, man. Duke football had its moment. It was a brief. Well, they were 4-0 and this year after going 9-4 and last year. 4-0 includes the win over Clemson, and then they just curb-stomped UConn. Remember, yes. a team that NC State had struggled with. Yes. They get Notre Dame here in Durham. With game First day. First time ever, game days at, over at Duke. Spotlight, all everything was on Duke football. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, warm and tinglys all over for mm-hmm. everything. Riley Leonard gets hurt at the end of that game. Yes, they beat NC State uh, after an open date. But then here come all of the problems. They end up losing four of their uh, last five before Elko beats Pitt in the finale, a Pitt team that had quit on the season. So they end up seven and five and basically without, you know, not basically without Riley Leonard. Um, And you're thinking, well, you know, you play your cards right. You come back the next year. This thing's wide open, man. Like this idea that there's some, and Florida State was good this year, but they played Florida State toe to toe. They had a lead in the fourth quarter of that football game. And then, mm-hmm. of course, the, the injuries didn't help. Um, Leonard got banged up in that game. So th- there was an opportunity there. Mike made the most of that opportunity. What's remarkable is it was, for the most part, David Cutcliffe's players mm-hmm. that he coached up and schemed up and gave this identity of identity of speed, toughness to on the defensive side. Obviously, that's what Texas a and is going to try to cash in on. Um, you know, Steve, speaking of schools that are graveyards, Duke's Duke football is a graveyard. Well, you mentioned Texas A&M and coaches that go there and they don't leave. Like that's it, right? Well, the tri- triangle, it's not just Duke. Right. Triangle football. In the history of triangle football, you go to coach there and you, chances are you ain't leaving. It, it happens very rarely. You mentioned Steve Spurrier. There's Mac Brown who came back, which gets us to... I got five on it. Mac Brown left North Carolina in 1997 to take that Texas job, and then he came back. When Mac came back, what were the expectations, Joe? Mac is back. But back for what exactly? Great question. And I don't think we have the answer to that yet because the end of the Larry Fedora era was a disaster. Sure. Won three games the last two years. Mm -hmm. Just bad football. Right. And also bad headlines too. never forget that he equated the decline of American society to hits to the head. Like you you try to take out targeting. Come on now. We need the, you need me on that wall making terrible tackles. That was Larry Fedora. But in all honesty, and he Mac, stopped recruiting the state. He didn't yeah. really promote the program. So, there was a lot of apathy there. So, so what was Mac back for is the question. And I think we finally have an interesting split in what this conversation is about. If you told me Mac was back to restore respectability within the North Carolina football program that was lacking at basically let's steady things, let's steady things, put it back in the right spot. And then I'm going to leave. I'm going to retire, maybe take a a booster role or, you know, director of NIL development. He's the GM for North Carolina football. Right. And he he hands it off to the next guy. Well, I would say that, yes, Mac came back to save Carolina football. He set him on the right path and mission accomplished. But five years into this thing with two NFL quarterbacks on your roster, one ACC championship game appearance and several ugly losses to NC State, I'm starting to wonder what exactly has been accomplished for Mac Brown when there doesn't seem to be an heir apparent. Mac is going to be back again, but for what? For who? Who's the next coach? I don't know the answer to that. Yeah, five and eighteen last two years under Fedora, two and fourteen in the league. He stopped recruiting the state. the The interest in the program was at an all time low, right? So now you got to give yourself a shot. You go back to the name because you got to remember when Matt came back, I think there was an expectation that he would come back, not from 87, 88 back when they were terrible, mm-hmm. but 
But 97, 96, 97, Mac, when they won, you know, 10 games and 11 games, 10 and two and 96, 11 and one and 97, the famous game in 97 against Florida state, where they have a chance to, to win their first national ACC championship since 1980. While NC state's drought goes back to 79. Carolina is not exactly under the great shakes category when it comes to ACC titles. Now, what, what, what did they have to work with? Well, they had Sam Howell who basically got Willie Taggart fired because he had originally committed to Florida state mm-hmm. ends up going to Carolina that first year. They go seven and six under Mac, but they won some interesting games off the jump, right? The next year they go eight and four, the greatest eight and four trick anyone's ever pulled because they ended up in the orange bowl. Cause that was the pandemic year when both Clemson ended up in the playoff and unofficial coastal coastal division champion Notre Dame Mm -hmm. who had joined the ACC for that one year ended up in the playoff as well, which opened up a spot in the orange bowl for an eight and three Carolina team with Sam Howell. Then, then Carolina football broke the bowl system by for them, their first major bowl game since 1951. The only person who showed up to play in the football game was Sam Howell. Mm -hmm. Like what, 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 is happening here. They lose to Texas A&M, which somehow Mac spins into. See, what happened was the guys who were playing in this game are the ones who are going to play next year. Yeah. So we should be a preseason top 10 team. Look at Josh Downs. Look at that guy. He's good. Mm -hmm. So they're a preseason top 10 the next year. They end up with a losing record. Mm -hmm. Unfinished, unranked, which happens only what to who? Mac Brown. And it also happened over at Texas. So you, you have Sam Howell, for three years, you have Drake May for two years, and you have the best thing you have to show for it is a win over a Wake Forest team that ended up with 11 wins in 2021. It is a, it really is a Rorschach test when we talk about Mac Brown 2.0 at UNC. And the one thing that I took away from this year is that Dave Doran has a bluntness to him that works for NC State. The shit be happy we won mm-hmm. and wanting to fight Steve Smith. And that really just kind of Steve Smith being an avatar <laughs> for you, you know, for NC state fans and things like that. Mac is slick with it. You said the greatest trick Mac Brown oh. ever pulled was I fall for it every time, man. He's great. He's really, really good at it. And what I picked up on this year is that Mac is really good at deferring as a head coach in a, a lot of different ways, but he's also good at deferring blame for why things have been the way that they have been at North Carolina, especially on the defensive end of say, that. You want to talk about the defense? No, oh, I'm not. I'm not in charge of that. Uh, I'm not that's in charge of that. That's a Gene Chizik thing. That's why we bring Gene here every Monday for you to talk to. So this is back to ACC kickoff. Luke DeCock at the News and Observer sat down with Mac Brown and he asked him straight up, like, you don't expect a Gene Chizik defense to be bad two years in a row. That's why you brought him back. That's just not what Gene Chizik does. Because even in the Larry Fedora edition of Gene Chizik, they weren't like this. They weren't just straight up beat like they were several times this year and the year before. And Mac Brown's answer was interesting. I don't believe it's possible for a Gene Chizik coach defense to be at the level it was at last year, the first half of the season mostly, but two years in a row. I just I don't believe it when I look at Gene's career. What in your mind gives you confidence that you guys can kind of pick up where you were kind of going in the second half and, and take a leap forward and get to where you need to be to match your offense? Yeah, and, and Luke, it's a, it's a fair question. Number one, our defensive players will be in the same defense for the second year in a row because they had a completely different defense for three years. So that'll help. Number two, Gene will be back in the office working for the second year in a row when he took five years off, and a lot of things changed offensively. So it was, it was a big change, a bigger change for him than he or I either one thought because they're spreading out more. They're going faster. There's just things so... So he had to get back in the swing of things. And then the third thing is we um, have a lot of guys back. we got seven back, but we got a lot of depth back. we got some older guys back who, who are getting tired of hearing they were bad. And we also are in a position now where we were really bad against App State. We we're really bad against Notre Dame. Then we got better. So we're, we're not as bad right now as the narrative was early in the year. But I saw this spring, I think we're going to be much improved. Well, you're, you're the king of taking five years off and coming back. Yeah, but the head coaching job at that time was easier to come back into than the changes that were on offense. Now, if I was coming back in now with uh, uh, NIL and, and transfer portal, it wouldn't have been so easy because it's, it's a lot of 
multitasking with a head coach he's now too. But the Mac Brown answers got even more interesting as time went on, right? Like, let's go back to the UVA loss. Yeah, so this year, when we talk about Mac is back, okay, when they came back, they they were, their PR arm was saying, we're back. We're going to run this thing. Mm-hmm. We, we're we going to win championships. We're going to be relevant nationally. Mm-hmm. And we're going to run away with this thing the way you've never seen it before. Okay. Obviously, that did not happen. Did not happen. But they were 6-0 and this year. And they looked really effing good. We, Partic- talk, we talked about them being serious conversation pieces for the college football playoff. It was in front of them. It was. It was absolutely in front of them. And then for to lose to Virginia as a 24 point home favorite. This is a Virginia team that had been struggling through controversy, through, you know, tragedy, quite frankly, through a lack of talent on the defensive side of the football and to come to Keenan stadium as a 24 point dog and then just run the football after falling down. Mm -hmm. Virginia was down 10 points in the second half of this football game. And it wasn't like, okay, let me go sling this thing around the yard. Let me get a, let me get a Tony Grimes running the wrong way. Let me get a, a complete defensive breakdown. No, they turned around and handed the ball off and just ran the ball down Carolina's throat and ended up winning 31 27. But it was the crowd. The crowd wasn't great that night, Joe. So this is where we got the wheel of excuses from Mac. We the started, crowd wasn't here. It was a combat. Support. Well, I, I told the team. Yeah. Told I told the, team. the players. Told the team. I've been warning them all week. Here, here's, here's Mac Brown saying it. No, other than every team in the country has one of these usually, and um, uh, fall break, the crowd wasn't as good as last week. Absolutely no hype about the game. Nobody's talking about the game. Uh, Everybody said we were going to kill them. Uh, I mean, there's so many boxes that you can check, uh, but I I thought we addressed it all week. I I did. We did everything we could do uh, until tonight. I thought to get it where it needed to be, we didn't. Somehow we missed the message. Of course, that was backed up with the Georgia Tech loss, which, again, another double-digit favorite. Uh, the th- second and fourth quarters were disasters defensively. Uh, now, they'll try to say, hey, look, we got to keep putting up points and things like that. Fine, I get that. But when Georgia Tech just decides we are going to run it at you, you can't stop us. That is a defensive problem. And Max started to the, – the wheel of excuses started to to actually show cracks in where the season was headed. And the first thing that I thought was interesting from Mac Brown, which continued all the way to the NC state loss, eight wins is pretty good around here. Hey, we're off to a six and zero start. That doesn't happen a lot around here. That's why I brought up the Dave Dorn thing. Dave is blunt with it, man. Just be ha- like, like, let's talk about the history of NC state and what we're doing and what we got. Like, man, just be happy. I appreciate that. Mac massages it to a point where it's as it's very Southern. It's a bless your heart type way of cutting you yeah you remember those last two two years of fedora never mind the first four years (laughs) never mind those which are pretty much one for one for what we're doing but let's talk about those last two years or hey let's look at the history of triangle football hey man eight wins doesn't happen a lot around here it's pretty good for around here but the real eyebrow raiser for you and me was after that georgia tech loss and he talked about the dynamics behind the scenes and how they got to this point who was happy who wasn't happy who's buying in who's not buying in, and that's when the red flags really went up. Uh, sort of along the lines of what Jeremiah is asking you, I was thinking about it like, I mean, this is an older group of guys, uh, by and large, that have had very ambitious goals for this season. And with the back-to-back losses, some of those goals you know, move, move further from reality. I mean, it's part of your challenge, challenge this week in addition to fixing stuff. Just like the motivation, like like making sure the motivation doesn't dip or wane. You know, what I'm saying? like is that part of your on your plate? Sure, but if you if you're trying to be the best you can be, and you're trying to improve every week, and you're trying to play up to a standard, none of that should matter. I mean, it's these are human beings, and obviously there's some disappointment for all of us. Uh, but they they don't cancel the games. They don't cancel the season. Uh, there's guys on our team that won two games one year. And there's fans that didn't show up for two games that are bitching about six wins. So, um, I, I mean, that, that's just part of the deal. You, you just do the best you can do trying to explain how 120 guys feel and if they're excited, if they're disappointed. Some that didn't play are mad because they didn't play. 
Uh, some that played good are really excited. Some that played bad are blaming coaches. <laughs> I mean, that, across the country, that's just that, that's what happens. It's a uh, it's a, a huge uh, span of emotions when you start looking at a football team, and, and you just have to kind of balance it all out and do the best you can do and try to get ready to uh, not only beat Campbell but get better uh, this week because you got uh, you got one of the hardest schedules left emotionally that we've ever had. And now we're here. They're going to the Mayo Bowl. There is no Tez Walker. There is no Drake May. And I don't know who or what the offense is going to look like, whether through the transfer portal, you got what Max Johnson coming over. No, you do know what it's going to look like. It's going to look like Amari and Hampton running a lot, which he did this year. What's the defense going to look like? And I think the the, defense has to get better. The bigger question, but the bigger question about North Carolina is we know the end. What's the next iteration? We know the end. I don't think that this is how they thought it was going to go, that Mac was going to come back and restore the program, which again, he has on a lot of different markers that you can check off. But one of the big things that I was curious about is, you know, the shelf life for Mac Brown is limited. So what is the plan after, after he has restored North Carolina, where do you go next? Because it, there's symmetry, baby. There's symmetry to these things. You go back to how we started this podcast and we talked about Mike Krzyzewski handing it off to mm-hmm. John Shire and how Roy Williams wanted to put his guy in place and Hubert Davis and handing it off to him. There are ways that you do these transitions. And the one thing I know Brownlow has brought it up. We have talked about it deep inside. He's probably still mad about how things went for North Carolina after he left for Texas. Did not work for Carl Torbush. R.I.P. So that was one of the things he wanted to correct. Let's get this back to a yeah. place where then I can hand it off to the next guy. But now that we're here five years in, I don't know how that's going to look. I don't know if it's how they thought it was going to go in their head. And Bubba Cunningham, if he's still the AD at North Carolina next year, I'll be curious to see how they handle football going forward. Cause they've tried, they've tried with Butch Davis and we saw how that played out. I'll be curious to see where they go next. Yeah. The last two years have been an indictment of Mac Brown. The way that they've ended Easily. To, to lose the last four games in, in 22 and then to lose four of the last six, you know, one of them being over Campbell. So what this year with Drake may and Drake may, as I, again, going to work on this in 24, I told you he'll, he'll be there. Philip rivers. Cause I think he'll be either the first or second pick in next year's draft. He's going to play in the NFL for a long time. Like I, I think he's that kind of guy. Mm-hmm. I, I think he's going to 10 years from now. You'll be talking about Drake may, whatever team he ends up on still being in the NFL. He's that special of a player. And you're going to wonder, well, what happened at Carolina? People are going to love him because he's a good player. And because his family and all these other things, people are going to love him, but you're going to go, well, what did he do? What did he win at Carolina? And then you're going, well, yeah, well, there was that time they beat Duke in double (laughs) overtime. (laughs) No, there was that time they beat app state in double overtime. There was that time they scored all those points at app state. Right? Yeah. Like these are the things you're going to remember. Just the state fans are like, remember that time we beat Texas Tech? That was amazing. Well, what was it worth? Oh, I mean, <laughs> but you know what, though? Remember that time we beat Florida State when they were shaving points? That was awesome. But you know what? <laughs> remember that time we beat Notre Dame in a bowl game where their quarterback was knocked out on the second play of the first, second quarter? That was great. But here's the thing. And this is, this is, I'm not trying to sound like a hater. That's triangle football, man. Yes. This is, honestly, and other people have brought this up. I'm not breaking any new ground here, but I do subscribe to the idea. Now that we've lived with the college football playoff, we've lived with the BCS. We've seen what it's done to college football. Yeah. And it has taken away rational thought about what college football should be about. It is a regional sport, a local sport. North Carolina and NC state do not get national run, but man, does it deliver. I mean, it delivers for us. It delivers for the triangle. College football ultimately being the thing that keeps communities spicy, so to speak. But we lose that as we continue to focus and obsess over, well, who's the, how do you crown a proper national champion? When it didn't used to matter. It used to be, hey, man, I got my AP. I got my coaches. Well, we claim this. We got split national championships. But on the local level, what mattered more? Did we beat our rival? Did we beat the other teams in the state? Did we win the games we wanted to win? Did we go to a nice bowl game? Did we do it? Did we feel good? Did we feel good? So as you're joking about like, oh, we had that Texas Tech win. 
You felt good, didn't yes, you? Yes. Somewhere along the lines, we've forgotten what it's like to just feel good about yeah. college football because, oh my God, oh, we only won eight times. That's not good enough. Yeah, but I mean, you, you felt good when they beat Carolina, right? Or you felt good when you when you beat Clemson. And you know, like those like those things, I think, have been lost, and it's kind of shaped how we talk about what happens in North Carolina, what happens at Duke, and what happens at NC State, which is a tease for part two of the OG 2023 roundup, where we will give you number four, number three, number two, and number one. You've got time to workshop your countdown sounds, Joe. They've been on, they've been on point thus they far. Have they have kind been. of sort of proud of myself. They have been. So Merry Christmas. I hope that this podcast episode was on in the background as you were opening up presents. You got a new sweater, maybe some socks. Maybe you got a nice bottle of bourbon trunks, perhaps. I enjoy underwear on Christmas. Hey, man, who doesn't? You need, you, need, you need fresh undies all the time. So Merry Christmas, and we will see you later in the week. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.